0: Welcome to Thank God It's Monday with Tony Aliogana Today, we continue our series on personal finance, and I want us to take a look at financial freedom. Money plays a significant role in our lives. It's hard not to think about it, no matter how much of it you have or don't have. We always worry about not having enough of it or thinking how to gain more or how to better manage what we already have. King Solomon, the second king of ancient Israel once said, money answers all things. While that may be a hyperbole, it highlights the exalted status of money and its impact on the life of everyone. The unspoken goal of many for working is to one day achieve financial freedom. Financial freedom is regularly defined as having enough savings, investment, and cash to afford the lifestyle you want for yourself and family and a growing nest egg that will allow you to retire or pursue the career you wish to have without being driven by earning a certain amount every year. In other words, being financially free means that your residual or passive income equals or exceeds what you need to sustain your current or a higher lifestyle. Therefore, the role of money and the drive for financial freedom most often impacts our career choice and ethics in remarkable ways but what does the bible teach and how should we respond as christians the bible also preaches financial freedom but its definition is markedly different financial freedom from a biblical standpoint is freedom from the control of money and the tyranny of stuff for us christians financial freedom is not freedom from the lack of money or having all the money you need to buy whatever you want, when you want, but being content with what you have. How many people ever make it to the place of financial freedom as defined by culture? Or better still, how much more money do you think you need to make or save to be financially free? 10 million? 100 million? 1 billion? The real question is not how much money you have or don't have, but how we relate to money. What is the place of money in your life? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says and I quote, Those who love money never have enough and those who love wealth are never satisfied with their income. End of quote. Culture bids us to think that we can never really be happy unless we get more because the more money we have, the happier and more enjoyable our lives will be. But the truth is, the things we associate with having more money or we assume a lot of money is going to give us, such as love, joy, peace, freedom, etc. are not products of physical realities, but of spiritual state. They are what the Bible calls fruit of the Spirit. For Christians, financial freedom is not a financial issue, but a spiritual one. Through God's word and by His Spirit, we learn self-control. Following Jesus is not a matter of outward conformity to religious expectations. It's a matter of internal liberty. It's not a matter of force and law, but a matter of freedom and love. Being a Christian means being changed from inside out so that you fall in love with people and fall out of love with things. You cannot have both of them at the same time. You cannot have love for people and love for things at the same time. If you love people, you will use things. But if you love things, you will use people. In many ways, money can be a snare and perhaps life's greatest stressor, The source of most of our worry around money can be traced to the gap between income and chosen lifestyle. If you allow your lifestyle to chase your income, you will have a lot of stress. Many people's worry revolve around money, but worry is not a money problem according to Jesus. It is a spiritual problem. If money were the antidote to worry, then Jesus would have admonished that in order to get rid of worry, we just get more money instead he said that the reason we are worried is because we have put our trust on riches rather than on him who richly provides here's what he said in matthew 6 25 to 34 quote therefore i tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds in the air therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow we worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own end of quote. the antidote to worry is faith in god not hope that god will give us money but trust that god's grace will be available for us regardless of our financial circumstances i'll be back right after the break Aphithema is a deluxe fashion brand for today's woman We aim to become a global fashion brand of class, femininity and sophistication with the ultimate goal of making women of all ages look and feel ageless. Visit us today at www.athikima.com Welcome back. The Bible tells a story about a rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He was a typical urban professional doing very well financially, young, upward mobile, hardworking, decent, sincere and desperately wanting peace in his life. He wanted to know what he must do to inherit eternal life, but he was blinded by the security of his great possession. Listen to the conversation between him and Jesus from Mark chapter 10 17-22 to 22, and I quote, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false weakness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at these words, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. End of quote. This young man wants to go to heaven. He lived an upright moral life. He had a desire to follow Jesus. And no doubt he thought he was ready from any standpoint. It never crossed his mind that his money, or how he viewed it, was a hindrance to him. He thought keeping the commandments of God was more than enough, but didn't realize his money had blinded him. This is the dark side of money. If you let it compete with Jesus for the throne of your heart, it has a good chance of winning. Jesus said, Go and sell what you have. Why? He knew this man had the wrong attitude towards money that needed to be changed for him to get his desire, but the young man turned and walked away. He was young and upright, kept the law, loved by Jesus, but ruled by money. This could be you, yet you are not even aware. His desire to go to heaven was all about him, not God or anyone else. Does wealth and riches define you? Has it become your silent and salient source of security? What of the subtle arrogance that comes with being able to do whatever you want because you have the means? Your heavenly father clearly is not against you becoming wealthy or prosperous, provided your priorities are not misplaced. Money is good for what it is good for, but for all it's worth, if you are not enough without it, you will never be enough with it. It is hard to deny that capitalism is the best economic system around. It creates wealth far better than feudalism, communism, socialism, or any other system one could name. But for all its advantages, Capitalism has a major drawback that kingdom people need to worry about. Capitalism has a major drawback that kingdom people need to be concerned about. It requires people to stay perpetually hungry for more. Capitalism runs on greed and materialism, but God has an answer for that. We cannot see greed in the mirror because greed is a scene of the eye. It blinds you to its presence. No wonder Jesus said, watch out for greed in Luke chapter 12 verse 15. Jesus wants that we should be on guard against all kinds of greed and materialism because a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. Why would he ask us to watch out and be on guard? It is because greed hides. You might be greedy and not know it. Now, if you go, not me. Me, greedy, nah. That's a terrible sign. If you are committing any other sin, you will know it. You can't be committing adultery, for instance, and not know it. But greed, it's always any other person but you, your rich uncle, the renowned politician, or the famous businessman across town. In my years as a pastor, people have come for counsel on several areas of struggle. Many have freely spoken about their addictions and challenges with drugs, sex, anger, pride or gambling but no one has ever come to confess the sin of greed or materialism. No one has ever said you know pastor I think I'm greedy I need help. You can see why the Bible talks relentlessly about greed. Ultimately greed is not really about money or things it's just a symptom or pointer to deeper issues. The issue is not about quantity but a condition of the heart. Greed is really a way of dealing with our own feelings of deficit and emptiness. It's not so much about having enough, but about being enough. When we lose faith in God and ourselves, when we feel we are not enough, then we get greedy. We try to use things to fill the hole inside. Greed is an appetite that can never be fully and completely satisfied. It is a bottomless pit that keeps asking for more but never gets filled. It deceives and convinces us that if we have a little more, then we will be happy. This is what I call the if-and-then myth. For example, if I have more money, then I'll be happy. Greed always eventually leads us to the ultimate predictable outcome of a life devoted to more. debts, Consumer debts. Deaths is one easy way through which greed takes control of the reins of our lives. The Bible says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The lender instead of God becomes your master. He dictates what you can have and what you cannot have. He wants to be paid first. He closes the door on your ability to be generous and overrules God's instruction on stewardship. Death is a trap. There is something about death that tempts us to keep spending even when we know we cannot afford the payment. It's greed. Part of the allure of greed is the fact that you can get an emotional high from getting a new thing now without having to deal with the pain of parting with the money immediately. Immediately. It can feel like getting something for nothing until it is time to pay up. Even the happiest of people can find the pressure and embarrassment of debts too much to handle. So what's God's solution to all this? Don't forget to join me next week as we conclude the series on personal finance. Thank you for hanging with me today. I pray the best for you and a successful week ahead. Stay blessed.